0: Welcome, everyone, to the HDC podcast. I am the privilege today to be with uh, Stan, Pastor Stan Rhoda, who is on staff at New Life Christian, campus pastor at New Life Christian And how do you pronounce it? Is it Chantilly, Virginia? Did I get that? How close was I?
1: Close enough. Chantilly.
0: <laughs> Chantilly. There we go. Chantilly, Virginia. Uh, Stan is a engaging guy. I'm really looking forward to the interview today. Stan, welcome. Thanks.
1: Thanks for having me, Tom. I appreciate it.
0: Shane, tell us a little bit about you, your family. Just uh, bring us up to speed, man.
1: Oh, yeah, man. It's uh, good times right now. Um, Got uh, my beautiful wife, uh, three kids, um, and a golden doodle. Living the dream with my kids right now. Uh, One's a sophomore in high school, two in middle school. So couldn't be worse. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So there's some really good stuff about that, and some trying times with it. Um, But yeah, got uh, my my wife of uh, let's see, coming on to 19 years.
0: Wow! Congratulations.
1: Yeah, yeah, thank you. It's good. It's it's, uh, it's real good.
0: Awesome. Stand outside of ministry, tell us about what you do with your free time. I always like to ask this question. It kind of gives a window into who people are. So you got a few free minutes or you got a free day. What are you doing?
1: Weren't we just discussing? There are some in our tribe that may or may not, you know. <laughs> um, one of my, one of my uh, favorite uh, recent things I've gotten myself into is uh, motorcycles. I love okay. to find myself on two wheels and uh Head west outside of the Northern Virginia area, ride down toward uh, Shenandoah and the Blue Ridge. Um, man, I, something about being on two wheels uh, is nothing like it. Um, so yeah. if I'm not riding my motorcycle, uh, probably uh, off at a nice lounge somewhere enjoying a cigar, because uh, that's that's kind of what I do outside of my uh, my ministry. Well, actually, those things can be ministry too. But
0: sure, sure.
1: Hobby part of me. The fun part is uh, riding bikes and enjoying a cigar. So yeah. So I have to ask, what kind of bike do you have? Uh, right now, I'm riding a uh, 2006 Harley Night Train. It's okay. uh, one of their kind of their special edition in the mid middle of the 2000s. There, it's all blacked out. About the only chrome on it is the handlebar and the exhaust pipe. The rest is all blacked out stuff. It's, it's a it's a nice looking little bike. So
0: awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Stan, I know that you're a fourth generation pastor. Um, yeah. Uh, so tell, tell us about your call to occupational ministry.
1: Yeah, I, this question is probably one of the toughest ones for me to answer because I, yeah, I'm i a fourth generation um, son of church planters. My great grandfather was a church planter on the West Coast. His name was Archie Word um, my, uh, both of my grandfathers on my mom and dad's side were both, uh, church planters and ministers. Uh, my dad planted a church in a suburb of Denver, Colorado. Um, so I don't know. I, my call to ministry is kind of like I grew up in it, you know, just kind of like, man, this is what we do. Um, I had some time there in high school where I thought, you know, maybe I'll do my own thing. Uh, i kind of uh, some, some of my own dreams of being an architect, um, doing some design work, doing some other things. Um, and I decided to head off to Bible college to give that a year or two of, um, you know, kind of the cliche, I'll take a year or two of foundational Bible stuff and then I'll go do whatever I want. Um, and uh, yeah, God really got a hold of me there in Bible college. Uh, I had a lot of life things that happened in Bible college. And uh, it, it was kind of there that God really got a hold of me. I stayed all four years, left with a preaching degree, and uh, was started right into full time ministry right out of Bible college. Um, so, I get, kind of sometimes I feel like I was born into it, uh, but um, I, I know that in Bible college God really uh, kind of got a hold of me and said, "No, this is actually the direction you're you're going to go." And uh, so, that been doing it ever since. So,
0: very cool. Very yeah. cool.
1: So I, I know you've served at three different
0: churches. Uh, we won't go too far into the past. Tell us about your current role there at New Life, uh, New Life Christian.
1: Yeah, current role here. Uh, so we're a multi-site church. I'm a, a campus pastor, so I lead uh, basically what some would probably call the satellite site. Uh, we've got two live locations, um, and so I lead uh, not the one in Chantilly, but I lead the one a little further out west, um, out in the Gainesville. Haymarket, Bristow area. Um, so, yeah, that that's my role right now with New Life as a multi-site campus pastor.
0: Awesome. Fantastic. Oh, I love New Life Christian and some of the crew there, Brett Andrews and Todd yeah. Wilson and others. Just It's just a phenomenal church, man. I'm so excited that you've had the opportunity to serve there and continue to serve there. It's a great place.
1: Yeah, I I did not know who they were when I came here. Like, when I was hired here, I had no idea what I was walking into. <laughs> all of a sudden, I was, like, mixed up in Exponential and all this stuff. I'm like, what? Who are these people? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, pretty, it's a great crew. It's a really great That's,
0: crew. that's really cool. Now, you, you mentioned Exponential. So, do, do you plan yeah. to be around Orlando?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I uh, every year in Orlando, I lead the, uh, the volunteer teams. And so, uh, I'll be there. Doing the cheerleading thing for all the people in the volunteer shirts, kind of trying to get them in the right place at the right time, and um, wandering around meeting people. So yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll definitely be there all week. Yeah.
0: Oh, awesome! Well, I look forward to our paths crossing then. Oh, absolutely! And I know you're super active in the social media space with your blog and Twitter, Instagram, yeah. you know, all the various things. Just tell us yeah. a little bit about your work in the social media space.
1: Um, I wish I was better at it. Um, I've got days where I feel like I know what I'm doing and then other days when I'm like, I have no idea what I'm, <laughs> what I'm doing. Um, I, I typically use, um, uh, Twitter, Facebook and, uh, Instagram or LinkedIn. And I just kind of connect them all together. Um, I use them primarily to send out, um, you know, stuff that I'm thinking about, uh, blogging about, uh, for a time, uh, I was doing the podcast thing, um, and that, that got to be a little bit too much of a, a time drain for me, and I needed to focus on some other things, um, so I, I kind of held up on the podcast. Um, but yeah, I, I primarily use social media to share uh, ministry ideas, um, church planting, disciple making, uh, blog stuff that I write, um, and so yeah, I'm, I'm primarily using it to that end um, to try to help kind of, I guess in some ways be a bit of a hub where I pull in information for ministry and I just kind of disperse it back out and try to uh, people get their hands on it. So
0: absolutely. I love those sites that, that collate things. So you don't have to go looking for it. It's just there. It's good content, but you didn't have to search for it. So
1: yeah, that's what I do with my weekly email. I pull five or six of my favorite links from each week uh, that I find online. And then weekly I send those out to people. They cover preaching, Um, they cover leadership, they cover church growth, they cover women's uh, uh, discipleship, discipleship, women in discipleship, women, like I just kind of get a a broad spectrum and I try to blast that out for people and, and try to help spread the word about some of the things going on in, in the ministry world. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we we mentioned New Life Christian a little bit. And from my perspective, New Life Christian is one of the best kept secrets in the kingdom, although it's not really a secret, (laughs) but it's not one of those churches that you hear a great deal about. Just tell us a little bit about New Life Christian and some of the great things that are happening there.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. So, um, I, I think you're probably right. Like I said, I didn't know what I was getting myself into when I came here. Uh, the little I knew of New Life, I didn't even uh, understand back in Bible college, like in 2001-ish, 2002. We saw this video uh, online that went viral of a guy singing to um, uh, "Baby Got Back," but he was singing "Baby Got Book." Yeah, uh, it was Dan Smith doing the, you know, the, the parody, and it went on VH1, had all these views and i thought what kind of crazy church would do anything like that that's the craziest thing and about 8 9 years later i got hired and i didn't even i didn't even know it was them i didn't know it was the same people and uh, somebody made a comment about i saw i saw that video like 10 years ago that's really cool and they said that's our video we did that and i'm like what like i had i had no idea but uh, yeah um, that's awesome so we, uh, we say that we're, we're trying to be a safe place for people to discover God. That's been the mission uh, for a long time. Uh, the core DNA of New Life has been church planting. Um, I believe our first church was planted three to four years into the history of the church. Um, two-thirds of the staff left to go be a part of that church plant. Um, and when that happened, most churches would uh, you know, tend to fall apart uh, when two-thirds of your staff leave overnight to plant a church, or you would at least struggle. Uh, God really blessed that. And I think New Life's had a lot of, uh, I would say what you would call just from an outside perspective, you would look at what we've done with church planting and say, that's successful. Uh, We've Mm -hmm. planted 265 churches, Passion for Planting is crushing it with um, boot camps and internships, residency programs, um, uh, free resources online. I mean, Passion for Planting is the real deal. And those guys are doing a ton of great work. Um, that's all going on at New Life, um, and uh, yeah, our most recent kind of venture, I guess, uh, one of them has been into an initiative called the End Zone. Uh, the End Zone's a whole separate animal, but that's a seven day a week sports facility that is ours, and we run um, our Chantilly campus meets in there on Sunday mornings on basketball courts and turf soccer fields, um, and then Very cool. Every day of the week, um, except for Sunday morning, it is open to the public for fitness classes, boot camps, soccer leagues, basketball. I mean, anything you can imagine um, is going on inside of the end zone. So that's one of our primary yeah. initiatives into the community uh, through New Life. That's really cool. I love the idea of a church owned in
0: a third space.
1: Yep. Yeah, we've that's heard really of churches... Cool. We heard churches had uh, tried to do similar things like in a YMCA, and we love that they were doing that, um, but we wanted to have a little bit, we didn't want the YMCA type of thing to be able to kick us out on a Sunday morning if they needed it, uh, sure. ministry first, and so we thought, what if we owned one, and yeah. uh, we went into that seven or eight years ago, uh, big risk, and uh, yeah, God's really been been blessing that effort.
0: Yeah, it's good. So let's dig into let's dig in a little deeper into the content will take us a particular direction. Stan, what I know of you is you're super passionate about disciple making. Talk to us a little bit about just how that passion developed.
1: Um I it's real yeah, that's another good question. It it's really just been kind of a a um, a morphing thing for me over ministry. When I first started ministry, um you know, 15, 16 years ago, my primary focus was preaching, and the idea was just go out and preach the word, and people were going to listen and respond and obey and uh, show up at church, and you were going to grow churches overnight, uh, you know, to ten thousand people, and uh, that's just how it was going to work. And uh, my my so my focus really was just on the preaching side of things, and whenever I started to realize, wow, that's. Uh, you know, preaching is good, but it's not really doing the trick for people on Tuesday and on Thursday morning at work and there's something missing. And uh, I just started reading a lot. I started reading a lot of leadership books, uh, a lot of discipleship books. I, um, I just kind of dove in to try to understand why it seemed like there was something I was missing mm. and um, I couldn't quite figure out why we weren't taking steps forward um, at, at the ministry at the time. So that got me kind of down the path of the disciple making conversation. I became a big believer uh, in the fact that maybe we had missed something in the great commission. Um, So I really started to throw myself into uh, relationships that I thought were going to result in uh, somebody growing as a disciple. Um, I spent a little less time trying to grow a really big organization and I spent a lot more time trying to grow smaller core group uh, groups of people to become um, people who could kind of self-feed. Um, and honestly, even up until all of that time, I would say uh, the churches I was at, they were small kind of rural type churches. And there's nothing, nothing against those churches. I have a lot of great memories from those places. Um, but there was just something kind of missing in the context there, too, that I couldn't get my finger on. Um, So I I just kind of kept pursuing it. Um, God brought me to New Life, and uh, we have been uh, really pressing in for the last year, year and a half, into disciple-making movements, um, seeing them happen around the globe, and wondering why not here? And so that's kind of the question we're asking at New Life. Um, And we we also feel like we, I would say this, I think New Life, I think if you were talking to our whole staff, or at least some of our, our lead guys, I think... Uh, you would hear us say, we are strategically positioned in a really important place in the world to make that kind of a change. And so we're taking the idea of of making disciples in a place where, uh, you know, there are Secret Service agents and Pentagon officials and NRO and, you know, all these types of people live here. And uh, so we're trying to take very seriously the idea that we could, you know, transform the world through our little, Uh, you know, our little hub here in Northern Virginia. So we're, we're diving into disciple making here. That's gotten really exciting and is just kind of tapping, uh, just dancing all over my passion for uh, uh, disciple making and and I'm, I'm loving it at the moment. So
0: sure, sure, sure. I want to drill down into that a little bit, but let's, let's kind of zoom out for just a few minutes. Um, You know, it seems to me, and maybe it's just the pond I swim in, but it seems to me that the conversation has changed. Uh, it seems to me that, 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 that there's a, an all time high of people, pastors, church leaders having this conversation about what does it look like for us to make disciples. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you feel, are you sensing that too, Stan?
1: Yes. Absolutely. I, I think a lot of, of, of churches, leaders, pastors, I think they are all starting to ask that question. I think it's becoming a more commonplace um, type of conversation. The, the questions even we ask each other are changing. Um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, the primary question you would ask if you met another pastor for lunch at Panera or something was, Hey, how are your numbers? Um, how's that going? And that was the primary. And even that question is shifting to where people aren't asking that question as much because the numbers have proven, I think, to be a little misleading as to how healthy and disciple sure. really are. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I, I absolutely think that conversation is changing. Um, people are starting to pursue something deeper than can I just get my little group here bigger than that other one down the street? And uh, yeah. so, yeah, absolutely agree with you. The conversation is changing.
0: Yeah, the conversation scorecard. There's no question. I think. I think one of the other things that seems to be morphing is even the definition of what disciple is. Talk yeah. to us a little bit about Stan. Just a little bit, Stan. About what, from your perspective, what what is a disciple?
1: <laughs> yeah, um, so I've I've always cheated and just used the definition right out of the Bible. Uh, so I know I didn't come up with my own. I'm not fancy or anything. Um, the the language I like the most is Ephesians 4. I, I like that language the most. It's um, uh, growing in every way more and more like Christ. And mm. so to me, the idea, when, when you look at somebody like Alan Hirsch, who's going to walk you through the apest and the fivefold ministry and all that stuff, those five things when they lead when they when you drill down from that high level into equipping the saints for works of service it's to the end of that we become more and more like Christ and we are growing yeah. every way into the full stature of Jesus and so whenever i think about it myself personally i just think how am i helping people to become more like Jesus uh, and that 's kind of the end goal of ephesians uh, four so that that would be my personal take on what a disciple of Jesus is, someone who's growing more, more like him
0: yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things too that 's that 's shifting inside that definition stand is it's it 's no longer okay to to not be making disciples and to not be raising up disciple makers there just, yeah. just seems, and like I said, maybe it 's the pond I swim in, but it, there just, just seems to be this growing angst that that's not happening. And how can, how can we change that? Um, um, What's your, what's your thoughts on that?
1: Um, I, yeah, a little bit of what I I mentioned just a second ago. I think the angst is that we are recognizing that the way we have maybe defined disciple in the past and the way we structured church in the past, we're starting to see um, the, Um, the inadequacies, the inefficiencies Mm -hmm. of it, uh, we're starting to see where we lack in some of the spiritual depth as a result. Um, I think for probably, uh, you know, 15, 20, maybe a little over, maybe 20 plus years, I think the church got really, really good at bringing in the CEOs and the fortune 500 types and developing amazing structures and developing, uh, amazing shows, and uh, we put on a great one. I mean, in, mm-hmm. in life, we, we do the same. We believe Sunday morning should be excellent. We do a good job at it. We don't mess around with it. Like, we put a lot into Sunday morning. Uh, and there's really nothing, uh, you know, technically wrong with making Sunday morning, you know, well done. Um, but I think we got so good at that that it ended up feeding into that kind of consumer culture. So you started to have the language of, well, we're church shopping. which were sure one fits us and meets our needs. Right. And um, that that really kept us from being able to bring people in, disciple them, and give them some actual deep roots, and people just started bouncing around from the next cool box to the next cool box, and uh, there wasn't much depth in the church. And so I, I, I think that part of the reason that conversation um, overall is changing is partly because of that. I think we're starting to see the inadequacy of yeah. what we had yeah. And, and we're just, we're realizing we missed something. So we're going back.
0: Yeah, that's good.
1: So I, I kind of mentioned the, the
0: difference between, not necessarily the difference, but I kind of pulled out two categories, like raising up a disciple and raising up a disciple maker. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. How's, that, how's that different, Stan? Talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, you're talking about, you know, New Life's push to become a disciple making movement and starting disciple making movements. For that to be the case, you've got to raise up some disciple makers as well. Talk to us a little yeah. bit about that idea.
1: Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I could preach on this topic. This, you're, this is where you're going to have to cut me off and tell me not to be a preacher. Um, <laughs> when I think about this, um, I I think about my kids. Um so when my, my wife and I started to have children, we, you know, we, we reproduced and we made a child. The difference between a disciple and a disciple maker is whether or not our child ever grows up, leaves the house and becomes a productive member of society that kind of leads their own life and has their own family, or whether or not we've raised, you know, uh, for lack of a better phrase, inept, immature children who can't sustain outside of mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of making a disciple is really nice. Go make disciples. And like we typically we want to stop there. Like, okay, I made a disciple. I'm good. But the idea of making a disciple maker is actually training up somebody who can look, who learns how to rely on the Holy spirit of God to move into their own spheres of influence where they live, work and play and to take the training and to take the gospel into those places. It's, it, it is the difference between having a really neat thing on Sunday morning and infiltrating every area of society. Uh, to, yeah. to, to me, it is just the, the complete difference between um, accumulating a bunch of people in our pond or sending them back out to uh, you know, actually transform the world. And so There's a lot that goes into that, so much training, there's tools, there's all kinds of things that go along with that. Um, but I, I don't think we're supposed to stop at just disciples. Um, I, I absolutely believe when you read, uh, you know, even you get to Second Timothy two, and Paul outlines four generations worth of, of yeah. disciples. He he can trace that out four generations from absolutely two grandmother, mother, him, and uh, faithful men, and I mean he he traces out four or five generations there. And so it, it is absolutely the, uh, the difference between just raising up kind of people in our pond that like the product we have or my kids who like me as dad versus they grow up and they actually make their own family. They reach their own um, spheres of influence. So, so I think there's a really big difference between the two.
0: Yeah, no, that's powerful, Stan. Thank you. You know, I think one of the keys uh, is, you know, riding that tension that exists between having some kind of framework for that to unfold yeah. and having a program, right? So I know you guys don't have a program, right? I know you're probably really resistant to even that language, but what what is your intentional framework to ensure that we get to disciples that make disciples that make disciples? What's it look yeah. like in life?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So some of our framework, uh, I would say, uh, at least some of the language with it is shifting a little bit. I think if you were to, and you still can hear this today, if you came into our church, uh, you would hear us talk about a strategic uh, kind of process for making a disciple, which would be discover, develop, deploy. And we would say, we want you to discover God afresh on a Sunday morning. We want you to develop relationally and spiritually in life groups. And then we want you to deploy into serving. And I think that, um, to some degree, that's still the framework. The concept is we still want people to be a part of biblical community of the church. We want them to be connected into a group or some sort of a disciple making thing there. Um, and to serve in some way, I think that that's probably the, the high arch, uh, high overall, um, sure. kind of framework. Um, but whenever it comes to, um, I would say the the actual framework of how we are trying to make disciples who will make more disciples. I would say that part is shifting. Um, the language has gone from things like come to our class and come to our thing over here. it it's all shifted to language, like get involved in our, uh, in our training and, uh, So the the language shifted away from, like, the high level, come to our class, come to our program, come to uh, the Discover New Life thing, come to our class. It's shifted away from that, and has shifted into um, uh, get involved in this type of a relationship where we want to train you how to reach your neighbors. We want to train you in the conversation of how to actually begin the conversation. How do you go from, um, hey, uh, neighbor Joe, the, the weather's nice today, into hey how are things at home how's the marriage how's the kids how can i pray for you and like helping actually training people how to go from casual to a personal meaningful spiritual and gospel conversation and then when that happens um actually giving them the tools um, to go about having that conversation in a way that they they feel confident enough to do that so um I would say the higher level when I start with a when I start with a disciple, a guy that wants to be discipled, I start with two pillars. Number one, I start with abiding in Christ. Uh, I say read John 15 until you can't get it out of your head, and then I say go and read Luke 15, which is the lost chapter. Um, abide in Christ daily and develop a heart for lost people. And if if a disciple can do those two things, in my opinion, and learn how to kind of follow God in the process, I think God will lead us to. Uh, to lost people. So uh, those two things are also really important parts of our, uh, what I would say are our pillars uh, and some of the framework in disciple making.
0: Yeah. I love those two things. So Stan, what would you say to the pastor or the person or the church leader out there listening to this podcast that isn't currently making disciples, but, but you know, they've just started hanging around the conversation. God's beginning to kind of stir something in them. What, What would you say to that, that leader?
1: Um, I would say, uh, first of all, keep, keep pursuing it. Um, absolutely go after it. Uh, I would also encourage them, uh, to, um, to define a disciple and I would encourage them to define it outside of people are coming to my church, they're going to my Sunday school and they're writing a check. It it has to be deeper than that. That's not going to be enough. It's already not enough in our current cultural climate. It's definitely not going to be in the next 10, 20 years. It's just not enough. Um, so I would encourage them to do the, their due diligence at either, um, reaching out to somebody who's doing this well and help them to define, um, what a disciple is for them in their context. And each person may have a slightly different, you know, slightly different language, slightly right. different, and that, that's fine. Um, but I would encourage them to pursue it, to define it. And then alongside of somebody who's already doing it, maybe another church, maybe another group, a ministry or whatever, bring them in and actually begin to put in place the building blocks of actually going out and making disciples, trying to get away from the come and see the really big show we put on, go out and actually transform your workplace. Um, And so if they're not doing it, but I don't think a lot of pastors do this with the intention of not making disciples. Um, I think the motivation is, is pure. They want to, but I think some of them haven't defined it clearly enough and don't have the right framework to get there. So a lot of it is just uh, keep keep pressing in, um, uh, abiding in Christ yourself. Um, yep. How many pastors are reading the Bible just because they got to write a sermon Sunday as opposed sure. to, man, God, what do you have for me today? So pressing into your relationship with God, get some coaching, sure. mind, uh, and, and keep chasing it. So yeah,
0: That's good, Stan. Stan, I, I so appreciate your time today, man. Thanks for your engaging wisdom and, and insight. Uh, I'd love people to have the opportunity. We mentioned some of your social media stuff. Why don't you tell us where uh, where people can find you?
1: Yeah, I mean, the all the main stuff is at Um So I've got all my social links there. I've got some resources there. My blog is there. Uh, you can subscribe to my email, which is called Field Notes. Um, I send that out weekly. Um, I'm working on a few other little projects right now as well, but you can find all those on the websites. That's probably the the best start. Yep, stanrod.com.
0: Awesome. Fantastic. Stan, it's good to be with you today. Thanks for carving out some time to be on the podcast today. Absolutely. those of you listening, you can find uh, Healthy Growing Churches at healthygrowingchurches.com. You can find me on Twitter at tomplank.com, or you can follow HGC on Twitter at HGC Multipliers. Thanks for listening to the podcast, and we'll catch you next time.